Ah, in today's episode, we're going to take you higher. Yeah, I know, it's a bad pun. But today's episode, we're going to be talking all about medical marijuana. You know you thought about it. You know you want it. Welcome to the What Up Doc University podcast, your number one resource for total body wellness. Here's your host, Dr. Mike. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the What Up Doc University podcast. This is Dr. Mike coming to you from my living room. Um, You know, a little bit of changes in the household. We, We actually rearranged the the uh, the recording room and uh, yeah and change that into my oldest son's bedroom, I guess as it should be, and uh, I'm I'm forced to find new areas to record the podcast. So here I am, recording in the living room again, and uh, you know we've been having such a such a great time. Um, you know I've been getting a bunch of brand new guests uh, reaching out to be on the show. And today is uh, one of our one of those guests that you know it's some amazing content and um, and I was really really surprised when we did this interview because you know the, the this topic of medical marijuana has a lot of myths and uh, that's why I wanted to do this show t- you know for you guys is to kind of dispel some of those myths and uh, give you guys a little bit more information. So today's guest is Dr. Patel, and she's been practicing in the era of medical marijuana for about a half a decade now since um, 2012. And what she does is she walks her patients through a step-by-step approach for medical marijuana for the specific medical condition without getting high off of it, you know, because that's one of the things that people get concerned off is I don't, I don't want to be taking this medical marijuana and be walking around high all, all, all around and becoming addicted. And, and, um, and I don't want to be smoking it. That's some of the issues that some people run into. And she speaks, you know, from, you know, uh, and she's, she's treated thousands and thousands of different patients um, using uh, research based on medical marijuana. Uh, she completed her medical studies at, uh, I, I may pronounce this wrong, but Tuoro University College of Osteopathic Medicine in California and her undergraduate studies at Northwestern University in Illinois. And you can learn more about her at www.drraknapatel, D-R-R-A-C-H-N-A-P-A-T-E-L.com. And I'll have all those in the show notes. So sit back, relax, take out some notes, open your mind, and let's dive into the world of medical marijuana. So we got another guest for you guys today, and today we're we're kind of uh, we're diving into the uh, taboo zone that a lot of people they kind of stay away from. But you know that everybody's thinking about this, and today we have Dr. Patel on the show to talk into us about medical marijuana, and uh, she's gonna she's gonna share some interesting things. I got to see. Uh, some of her YouTube videos, and it and it really opened my mind up up to uh, the, the I guess the medical uses of medical marijuana and uh, some of the myths surrounding it. So, welcome to the show, Dr. Patel. Yeah, thank you for having me. Oh yes. So let's start right in. Um, tell us about your you know your background and how did how do you get into this field of medical marijuana? 
Yeah. So it's a funny story. <laughs> I bet it um, is. <laughs> so my background is actually in emergency medicine, okay. right? And as I was going through training, there um, there were a couple of cases that sat really heavy with me. Um, I was treating uh, like countless overdoses on prescription pain medications, especially opioids. Um, I was seeing um, a lot of drug seekers that were trying to finagle prescriptions out of out of doctors to to sort of feed their addiction. Mm. Um, and then in my toxicology rotation, you know, the whole purpose of this rotation was to treat overdoses on prescription and over the counter medications. So, you know, you take a step back and it's like, all right, you know, what, what exactly am I doing here? Because the very things that I'm prescribing, I'm then having to treat overdoses for, uh, Uh, is that a, is that a big problem? Like, you know, I, I hear a lot about this in, in, in the news and all that, uh, but did you find that that was a big problem, this problem with opioid prescription overdoses or, or you know, abuse? Yeah, huge, huge um, problem. Um, and, you, and you see it a lot in the emergency room um, because you're you're not the doctor that, uh, you know, you – it's a, it's a system that's easy to take advantage of mm. from from um, an addict's perspective because there's a different doctor um, uh, every time you go. Um, you know, sometimes you can um, see a patient's previous records and it's indicated on there that, you know, this patient uh, may be um, seeking drugs. But no, it's, it's definitely a huge problem um, and something that you kind of, you know, whenever you're taking a history you have in the back of your mind. Ah, so you're seeing this as a problem <clears> and then... How did that lead you? Okay, you so today? at the same time, um, I was overworked one week. I think I had worked like 90 hours oh in a period gosh. of five days. And I was wired. I couldn't sleep. And so what was I doing? Like like most other people do, I was browsing the internet. Um, I was on Craigslist. And I um, was browsing around on Craigslist. And I happened on an ad that said, medical marijuana doctor needed. So definitely piqued my curiosity, right? So I started looking into it. Um, I didn't know the field had existed um, at this point in time. Um, So um, I started looking into the field. I started looking into, you know, reading up on the the science behind medical marijuana, the research behind medical marijuana, basically just hung out on PubMed. And about a year later, um, I was definitely compelled by the research um, in in that I saw its potential to treat chronic pain. You know, as I, I definitely knew that as it as it stands, even currently, that we don't have a, a good solution for chronic pain. Mm-hmm. Um, and this definitely seemed like a good solution. So, you know, um, with in in on your quest to become a, a good physician, um, a big component of that is to gain clinical experience. So I uh, decided to work at a medical marijuana clinic in Sacramento. Um, and that's really where where it all started. So when you, I want to go back to when you were looking at the Craigslist ad, why did that pique your interest? What was it about that? Um, you know, that's a tough question. Um, I just didn't, you, you'd always learned about marijuana as a drug of abuse. Right. And to see it being used medically, Mm. That's what piqued my interest, right? So I think 
in the medical world, uh, we tend to be very black and white. Sure. About, oh, no, that's a drug of abuse. This is a drug that's used for medical purposes, even though it's a very gray area. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that basically that's I mean, that's essentially what piqued my interest. It's like, OK, this is really considered a drug of abuse, but it's being used medically. So so, you know, that 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 was it. It was it was that change that shift in perspective so you they piqued your interest and then you started you know you're jumping all over pubmed what were some of the research studies and and um findings that really opened your eyes what what were some of that stuff that that you found so there was this one study um one of the authors of the study uh, was uh, dr donald abrams um who's who's well known in um probably worldwide mm. Uh, he's an integrative oncologist, and he did um, his background is also. Um, I think he also did work uh, in the area of HIV. Okay. Um, and he, he was doing um, actually uh, uh, research on medical marijuana. And one of the things that um, him and his team looked into was um, the use of um, medical marijuana and opioids together. And in that research study, what they found was that medical marijuana helped to to reduce the the use of opioid medications. Um, typically, what you hear of when when you think of when you think of opioids and what, what you see as a physician is that a lot of times patients um, end up um, very quickly being becoming tolerant to lower dosages, needing higher higher dosages and, and higher strengths of the opioids to help relieve their pain. So this is definitely very, um, uh, what's the word? It's sort of, it's sort of, it was, it was, it was eye-opening that, mm-hmm. you know, here's yeah. a medication that's helping to reduce the use of opioids. So that was definitely, um, a study that, um, uh, you know, helped to change my perspective, um, on medical marijuana. So in your opinion, why do you think that marijuana has gotten such a bad rap? You know, I mean, the, um, you look at the laws today, and it's leaning more towards uh, you see a lot of states legalizing marijuana, but yet it still has such a bad rap. It's you know it is still that that like you said that gray area that taboo <clears throat> subject. Why why has it gotten such a bad rap? So there's a historical context to mm-hmm. it. Um, up until 1937, marijuana was actually sold over the counter um, as a medication at pharmacies. Um, and then what happened was, um, you, you had the great depression going on in, this was during the 1930s. And then at the, at the same time, you had a, a, a migration, a big migration of, of Mexicans into the United States. Um, and then the third component of this is that you, there was a politician named Harry Anslinger, um, who, who was known to be a racist. Um, but there was, so there's that component. And then there's the, with the great depression, there was sentiment that, Hey, you know, here we are as Americans, we're jobless. Um, and here are Mexicans, you know, with jobs in America working in the fields. Mm. Now, the other component of it was, was that, um, um, in Mexican culture, um, it, it was common to use marijuana recreationally. So what ended up happening, um, was that Harry Anslinger instituted a, an exorbitant tax on marijuana, that if you wanted to to grow it, to use it, you'd have to pay this tax. And in, in modern day, it would be the equivalent of 10 to 20 grand. And that's not a small sum of money even today. So 
Um, so basically, essentially, it, it deemed marijuana illegal if you didn't have this this uh, uh, proof that you paid this tax. And then fast forward to um, the Nixon administration. Mm-hmm. That was around the time when um, they uh, instituted the Controlled Substances Act. And that's officially when marijuana was deemed a class one substance. And class one means that um, it's believed that it doesn't have any medical value and that it's highly addictive. Oh, okay. Um, so, so that's sort of the historical context of it. And then, you know, you move forward to to the Reagan administration. Um, this is when you know there was this spike in in um, in cocaine um, uh, across the world, cocaine use across the world, um, and so there was this whole campaign to say no to drugs. Um, and, you know, marijuana was always included as uh, marijuana was was believed to be the gateway drug that led right. to the use of other drugs. Um, so it's, it's, it's very historical. Now, you know, the motivations, uh, a lot of times, you know, they, they, they've been economical, they've been political, they haven't been always um, motivated by health risks versus health benefits. Gotcha. So when it was classified as a class one uh, drug, um, w- was there any type of clinical studies or or just scientific studies on the medicinal properties of it at that time? At that time, um, well, here's what I can tell you. Yeah. Um, the group that that studied marijuana so far has mm-hmm. been the National Institute on Drug Abuse. So they've uh, studied okay. it as a drug of abuse. Yeah. They haven't. They haven't studied it as so a. They're, they're coming sub- from a bias standpoint right. already. Right. Gotcha. Exactly. Yeah. And so a lot of the the population that they're studying are typically heavy users, um, users that are using it specifically to to get high off of. Um, you you what we don't have enough information on at, at this point in time are the medical users, which are using it in a completely different way, right? So same thing with opioids. People who are using opioids for medical purposes are using it completely differently than people who are using it as a drug of abuse. Gotcha. I mean, if you look at it, I mean. They they should do the exact same thing with sugar, you know. I mean, oh yeah, right. You know, like agreed. Yeah, completely. It's like sugar kills way more people <laughs> mm-hmm. than than a lot of these other drugs do. And, and, yeah, but yet you know, it's not looked at it that way. No. So, um, in your in your findings, you've done all this research. What did you initially start using it for, and what have you found since since starting up this? Uh, what have you found it the most useful for? Okay, so when I initially started, I was I worked at a at an established practice. Okay. I think this practice was around for a couple of years. So they had patients that were um, they had returning patients, right? And so these patients were coming in for things like chronic pain, which I had read about. Um, they were also coming in for for insomnia, for anxiety, mm-hmm. for for seizures. Um, uh, a lot of cancer patients were coming in um, for uh, uh, appetite stimulation and to help suppress nausea and vomiting that was going on. So overall, um, the three main conditions that I end up treating in my practice are chronic pain. Um, and that's a pretty wide umbrella, it includes conditions like fibromyalgia, arthritis, a lot of times back pain from um 
from herniated discs, from degenerative disc disease. Um, I also treat anxiety and insomnia. Those are the most common conditions that I treat. And then, like I mentioned, I also treat cancer patients from for side effects of chemotherapy. Then there's also multiple sclerosis patients as well. Um, uh, and then other, you know, within anxiety falls things like PTSD, mm. ADHD, OCD. So subcategories of each of these conditions as well. So what are the, the, the major forms of delivery that you're, that you're using for these patients? Are they smoking it or are <laughs> they eating it or what form of delivery? Sure. So I, I advise my patients not to smoke marijuana because okay. long-term it does do damage to the lungs. Okay. Um, there are multiple different alternatives that they have that are much healthier. So vaporization is one. Um, and basically what this is, is that there's a device known as a vaporizer and it heats what's in it rather than burning it, right? So what you're avoiding is the combustion reaction that creates hydrocarbons um, when you're burning something, when you're smoking something. Mm -hmm. um, so that's one option. Second option, there are edibles. So typically these are these are chocolates and gummies, but you know the industry's evolved enough now where there are sugar-free options, there are gluten-free options, um, there are vegan options. So th they are moving forward in the in the direction of um, having healthier and healthier options available in terms of edibles. So do, do people need a, a prescription and is it legal? So it's going to vary depending on the state that you're in. Okay. okay. So we have a couple different, um, uh, things going on in the United States. One is that, um, we have now eight states since the last election that have legalized marijuana for recreational use. Usually it takes about a year or two for these states to actually implement the, the whole system, um, before everything gets started. Um, the states that have actually implemented it and, um, where it is actually, um, uh, you know, if, functioning under the system of, of uh, being le recreationally available. Mm -hmm. So those are Colorado, Washington, Oregon, and Alaska. Um, in these states, um, pretty much you can just walk into a dispensary, almost like a liquor store, and, and you, you, know, you can basically purchase what you'd like. Mm. Okay. Um, it, then there are states uh, in which marijuana has been deemed um, legal for medical use. Okay. okay. So in, in these particular states, the way the system works is that you do need to see a physician. And then typically in California, this is not the case, but typically you then have to submit your paperwork to the state. And I believe they have an independent um, physician who then, you know, looks at looks at your paperwork, um, and then, um, then approves that, uh, this patient for the use of medical marijuana. They then issue a card through the state and then you can go to a dispensary. Um, these are licensed facilities through the state and you can, you know, purchase the medical marijuana. And then third category is, are the states in which it's neither recreationally nor medically legal. And so let me <clears throat> jump to that one. What, what if a person um, is in those states and say they go and see their physician and their physician recommends it, what are their options then? If they're, if they reside in a state where it's, um, medically and recreationally not legal, yep. is that what you're asking? Yes. You know, they don't have the, a, much of an option at that point because you'd, you'd be breaking the law if you, if you did use it, you know, you are liable to the laws that your state has in place. 
So say they were they were recommended by their physician and they left that state and they came to the state where it was legal, but they're they're not a, a citizen of that state. Oh, I don't know. How, yeah. Is that a resident? Yeah. yeah, is that is that legal for them now to partake in that? Sure. So the way the system works currently is yeah. that um, your physician has to be um, uh, a licensed in that particular state. And the paperwork that's issued to you is only valid in that state. Gotcha. Um, and most states do have a residency requirement that you do need to be a resident of that particular state to participate in the medical marijuana program. So, so, um, uh, say, you know, someone say, say, you know, a patient came to see me and, um, they were resident of the state of California and I issued the documentation to them, but then, you know, they were traveling to a state like, uh, Alabama and, um, uh, they, it, you know, their documentation is not going to be valid in that state. Interesting. That's such, that's such, that's such a weird thing because, you know, yeah. Right. It's, it, it's like saying, you know, you got prescribed Vicodin or something and, and it's, you know, you went yeah. to one state and you can use it there versus another state that you can't. Yeah. It's like a driver's license, essentially. <clears throat> gotcha. Gotcha. Now, what's your thoughts on, on this whole movement where, you know, <clears throat> they're they're legalizing it in some states and other states are pushing back against it. But then uh, an overarching, you look at the federal laws and, but they're, they're all not in alignment. What's your thoughts on all of that? So here's the thing. I mean, I think the way it's classified federally, it's doing a disservice to, to the citizens of the United States because what what it's impeding is research. Right. And what we really need, I mean, clinically, I'm seeing tons of evidence, tons of evidence, but I would love to see more objective data, uh, more objective information mm-hmm. to to be able to say with, uh, you know, 100 percent certainty that, yes, you know, um, uh, you know, marijuana, uh, uh, you know, I can say with certainty that with this percentage, you know, you are likely to reduce your pain by this amount. You know, um, the other thing is, is that we don't have sufficient information on on a lot of the basic science of of marijuana, like the the first of all, the chemical compounds in marijuana, um, what exactly it's doing in the body. Mm-hmm. Most of the research that we have is based on research done in animal models. So so that's a disservice. Now, recreational versus medical. Um, I am actually not an advocate of, of recreational use. Just being a physician, I know what the worst uh, uh, w- what the worst that can happen with with um, uh, improper use of, of marijuana is, and there are definitely certain populations that that shouldn't be using um, marijuana. So so that is my, a concern for me. You know, if if anybody can just walk in, they use excess amounts, then they are likely to get side effects of the of the marijuana. So what I'm an advocate of is the medical use of it, but I I'd, I'd certainly like to see more research. So I treat a lot of patients who have like the diseases that you're talking about, mm-hmm. uh, multiple sclerosis, uh, ALS. Uh, I treat a lot of patients who are suffering from cancer. And one of the main questions that patients come in with me, come into 
my office then asked me about is the effectiveness of CBD oil um, versus, yeah. uh, uh, you know, just straight, um, you know, oil that has THC in it. And so what's the difference between CBD and THC and, and, and its effectiveness on, on cancer from what you've, you've seen so far? Um, okay. So specifically when it comes to cancer, do you mean when it comes to anti-cancer properties or, or are we talking about side effects of chemotherapy? Um, first the anti-cancer properties. And then secondly, the side effects of chemo, like, um, nausea and then the, um, lack of appetite. Okay, sure. So anti-cancer properties. So marijuana has been shown based on research done in like in test tubes and Petri dishes and in animal models that marijuana does have anti-cancer properties. Mm-hmm. And, and, it, and it's working in a couple ways. One is that it's, um, is reprogramming cells for apoptosis, right? So, yeah. so in more simple terms, uh, basically cancer cells, uh, forget to die. And so, so they keep on just, you know, making, uh, numerous copies of themselves. So marijuana comes in and, and kind of turns the switch back on for, for cell death. It reminds it that, Hey, your time is going to be up soon. Um, so you need to stop, uh, replicating yourself. That's one way. The second way is that it targets what's called angiogenesis. So tumors have blood supplies and the growth of the blood supply to the tumor is known as angiogenesis. So it's specifically targeting um, the, the, the blood vessels that are, that are supplying the tumor. Third way is that it also impacts um, cancer cell uh, migration and invasion into other organs as well. Now, Here's the important thing to remember, though. This is research based in animal models. Mm-hmm. Um, in humans, we certainly don't have enough information. I believe there's been one pilot study done in patients with glioblastoma multiforme. Um, but this was a, a population of about, I think it was about nine to 12 patients. So you can't really draw any solid conclusions from it. But, um, but um, you know, there's a lot of information on the internet um, where people are making claims that yeah, marijuana cures cancer. And as a physician, um, even having seen patients clinically, I wouldn't make this claim. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, especially because um, what concerns me is that, especially with um, when there's with chemotherapy, um, when you do have evidence that shows that there is a high likelihood of of success with this treatment in in um, treating the cancer. Um, it, but yet, despite knowing that, you know, you, 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 you put your, your eggs in the basket of, of, you know, using cannabis to treat your cancer, yeah. you're doing a huge disservice to yourself, right? You're taking a huge risk and, and, and the cost of that risk is that it can cost you your life. So, so, so that's the anti-cancer, um, uh, part of it. Now, when it comes to, uh, side effects of chemotherapy, uh, a lot of the, the common side effects are nausea, vomiting, loss of appetite, and also long-term neuropathy that results Mm -hmm. from uh, chemo and radiation treatment. So I have had a lot of success in treating those conditions. Um, Patients are able to, it it helps to reduce their nausea, eliminates vomiting, um, and, and it stimulates their appetite. 
So we don't have a lot of medications that we can use to stimulate appetite in, in, in cancer patients. And this is one of the medications that, that we are able to use. Um, and patients are able to, um, you know, food, food tastes better to them. Well, it doesn't taste better, but it doesn't, um, a lot of times patients are repulsed when, when you're undergoing chemo, you're just repulsed by the taste of the yeah, food. Yeah, yeah. So, so they're able to, to, um, the, the taste is better, and also they're able to to keep the food down as well. There's a desire to eat as well. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the other thing is is that um, with the neuropathy, um, it, it helps to reduce their pain, um, and the they don't necessarily have to use typical uh, prescription medications like, for instance, gabapentin or opioids to help relieve that pain, and they can do it just with the medical marijuana. Gotcha. Okay. Now, why, you know, from what, if, from what you've seen, um, why should somebody choose medical marijuana over uh, a, a typical pain prescription? Why, why would they choose that over, over that? Couple, okay, sure. Couple of reasons. And, and a lot of these reasons are, are reports from my patients, right? So they'll okay. tell me things like, um, I, the medication's not working for me. Um, it, it's, it's one. just, yeah, yeah, it's just not working. The second thing is, is that I'm experiencing side effects from these medications. So with opioids, a lot of the common side effects that, that, um, uh, patients tell me about are constipation, nausea, vomiting, dizziness, um, uh, feeling lethargic. Third thing is, is that there's a concern of addiction. So these are, these are the three main reasons I have patients coming to me, um, uh, looking for an alternative to prescription medications. Gotcha. Uh, is, have you found that marijuana is not addictive? So yeah, let's talk about that. So yeah. it certainly has a potential for addiction. Okay? okay. It comes down to how you're using it. There was a study done. I think this was in the early two thousands where they, um, they basically uh, surveyed uh, heavy users of marijuana. These were users that were uh, using marijuana on an almost everyday basis, and they did admit to using marijuana to get high off of. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times they were even using it multiple times in a day. And what happened was that um, they found an addiction potential of 9%. So I think mathematically that comes down to one out of every 11 people. Um, wow. Okay. Now, alcohol, the potential for addiction um, is one out of every seven people. And the baseline that they used was that um, this was anybody who drank on average more than 12 drinks in a year. So the potential for dependence was 14%. Mm. Tobacco, for anybody that, that used tobacco on an everyday basis, the, the dependence was 24.1%. So one out of every four people. So it's certainly a lot less than alcohol and tobacco, mm-hmm. um, but there is a potential for addiction. It always comes down to how you're using it, right? So the example that I always give my patients is a glass of wine a night versus a case of beer a night. You know, you're, you're more likely to get addicted to the case of beer a night. And when I guide my patients on using medical marijuana, what I'm emphasizing is is lowest effective dose and minimal frequency. So, so you're you're only you're not taking more than you actually need. Mm. Yeah, and no, I I remember a quote 
you know, going through school and they said, everything's a poison. It just depends upon the dosage. Yep. You know, I've, I've yep. seen, I've seen people get sick by drinking too much water. Uh, yep. you, you heard that, but one, uh, yep. I guess hazing that was done where the guy died cause he drank like 21 gallons of water in a few hours, you know, and, and like everybody that's listening, I think that, you know, that makes a really good point is, you know, everything can be used for your benefit, but that same thing can also become your detriment as well. And, you know, uh, it, it, it's, it, it really is a shame that marijuana has gotten such a bad rap and, you know, you've shed a light on why that is and ultimately comes back down to historical perspectives and, uh, and chasing the money trail as well. Um, but I want to end, end with this. Um, what should, what should a person, well, two questions. Why should a person come in to, to you to get this done? And what questions should they ask you when they're in there that they don't necessarily ask? Sure. So as doctors, we're problem solvers, right? Mm -hmm. So people are coming to us with a problem and our job is to help them solve that problem. So the patients um, that I'm able to help are the ones that are, are struggling with chronic pain, with insomnia, with anxiety, and conventional treatment is not helping them. Um, even some other alternative treatments are not helping them. Um, and that's where I have the potential to, to help them because I, for these three conditions in particular, I have found that medical marijuana does a better job than, than pharmaceutical medications um, in terms of treatment. Now, in terms of the information that people should be getting from a medical marijuana doctor, I'm going to walk you through a list. Yeah. Uh, number one, the doctor should be walking you through what combination of cannabinoids are, are best suited for your particular medical condition. Let me give you an example. Okay. In the case of anxiety... Um, ba based on research, based on my clinical experience, I found that that higher amounts of CBD um, tend to benefit the patients a lot more. And high amounts of THC will, in fact, uh, worsen the patient's anxiety, even cause paranoia. Mm. So so we don't want to make the condition worse. So that's that's why that's important. Second thing is, is that I mentioned a couple methods of use. There's a lot more. And, and certain methods will work better for certain conditions than others. So that's the second piece of information people should be getting from their medical marijuana doctor. Third is figuring out how much to take, also when to take it, and how often to take it. And then last thing is, is that just like any other medication, um, if, if marijuana, if you take, you know, too much of it too often, it can cause side effects. So it's important to know what these side effects are how to to avoid the side effects, and then most importantly, what to do in case you do get side effects from it. So these are all the pieces of information you want to be getting from from either your physician or from a medical marijuana doctor. How do you guys determine dosage? Okay, so dosing is, here's the thing, it's a fat-soluble medication, mm -hmm. right? So just like vitamin D. So what I'm walking my patients through um, is that I'm not giving them, you know, like a, uh, take this many milligrams this many times a day. You know, what, what I'm walking them through is a methodology for them to to figure out, you know, where they fall within that therapeutic window. Um, so so that's essentially how I'm helping them figuring out, figure out dosing. Oh, OK. Wow. I learned a lot. 
you know, I, I thought I knew stuff, but I, gosh, I learned a lot. Thank you so much for shedding a lot of light on this, on this. Topic. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for the opportunity yeah, for, for me to, to, to share this message. You're, you're very welcome. Where can people find you uh, on the internet? So a couple places. Um, my website is one, um, and the website address is drrachnapatel.com. Um, and doctor is abbreviated DR. Rachna is spelled R-A-C-H-N as in Nancy, A-P-A-T-E-L. So that's one, one place where you can get information. The second place that I put out information is on my YouTube channel. Um, and and as well as on my Facebook page. And basically what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to ask a lot, uh, answer a lot of the commonly asked questions, alleviate a lot of the, the fears surrounding uh, marijuana. Um, and so if your listeners have questions, they're more than welcome to post their questions in the comments section, either on my Facebook page or on my YouTube channel, and I do eventually get around to answering a lot of the commonly asked questions. That's awesome. That's awesome. So I'll have that all linked up in the show notes, uh, all of your your social media outlets and all that kind of stuff. So it was great having you on the show today, and thank you for all that information. Yeah, yeah. Well, there you have it. Hopefully you guys learned something from this episode. I know I did. A lot of the misconceptions surrounding marijuana was cleared up and, um, you know, uh, that the, the stigma surrounding that of, you know, people abusing it and getting high uh, and, and it not being a useful source of, um, of medicine, you know, it's just not true. You know, I've seen more done, more harm done from people using prescription drugs uh, and painkillers and abusing those things than I have seen with um, the the proper use of medical marijuana. And just like anything else, you know, when, when you use it responsibly and, and when you use it for a specific purpose and it's not used uh, to abuse or, or being abused, you know, you're going to get, you're going to get good results. And, um, you know, I just want to thank, thank Dr. Patel for uh, sharing her knowledge with us and, and being with us today on the show. And if you liked what you heard today, uh, please share this with your friends and family. Email this to them. Share this on your social media. Uh, if you have any questions, you guys can email us at info at whatupdocuniversity.com. If you guys have any questions about the show, uh, if you guys have any comments, go ahead and email us uh, or you can hit us up on on any of our social media feeds. And uh, we'll get back to you. Uh, and, and, and again, guys, uh, loving all the five-star reviews. You know, shout out to all of those who are taking the time to review the show. And if you find this show valuable, uh, please leave us a five-star review. That's how we can increase our listenership and spread the message of health to the rest of the world. So till next time, I'll see you again. Be well and aloha. Aloha.